food has I've seen in the past three years got so much better and mm. there's so much more finesse in the food. And I feel like a lot more people have be- more expectations as well when they dine out. I think competition, you know, breeds uh, creativity. And yeah. I think that's why New York is such one of the, I think is the food capital of the world. to the Kill Them podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Are you one of my five a day? Keep all your messages coming. Let me know on Instagram at Kelly Lundberg Official and let me know what you've been inspired by. Was it something on this episode? Keep them coming. It makes my day and it makes my guest day knowing that it has had such an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help secure even more guests to come on the show and it just takes a couple of minutes. Tell me which episode you like and it just draws more attention and more credibility. In this episode, I speak to Chef Howard Cole. Now, he's the executive chef at C'est La Vie Dubai and is truly a culinary genius. He's got a really impressive background and we really talk about this Um, his journey from starting in LA to working in Michelin-starred restaurants in New York and some that are now firmly on my list. He's got a real passion for reinventing classics and he brings his unique perspective to C'est La Vie in Dubai, creating beautiful standout dishes, which I've been fortunate enough to try on a number of different occasions. And, you know, he's really proud to use locally sourced produce and ingredients wherever possible through his journey. So enjoy this episode. Chef Howard, here we are over water. Welcome to the show. We had such a lovely, lovely dinner together a few weeks ago and I wanted to bring you on the show and talk about the fabulous food that you create. So do you want to give people a little backstory as to who you are? Yeah, my name is Howard Coe. I'm the executive chef at C'est La Vie. And, you know, I've been in Dubai for about three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. We enjoyed a very nice evening of had caviar and the champ- caviar bumps are the best, right? Why the only way know to do bumps. That, that was an actual thing, and I googled <laughs> it afterwards. And it is. Can you tell everyone what it is? You, you- so you put it on your hand as you would something else, but you, and then you just bite into it. And yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your back journey or your backstory as to you know how did you get into you know. Our- uh, you know, yes. where, where did it all start? Was it in mom's kitchen or, you know? Well, you know, it was actually uh, at a necessity first, a single mom. So I had to take care of my little brother. Yeah. And so I'd have to cook for him after school, things like that. And then I, you know, I always ended up enjoying how to cook and seeing my grandmother cook and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, we grew up in a really tough neighborhood. And, but I've always known since the sixth grade that this is something that I wanted to pursue. Really? So from that early on? Yeah. Yeah. So then what happened? So you just always created dishes at home? I mean... No, I actually did. You know, I love like cooking rice dishes or just seeing my grandma cook. I was a super weird kid when I when I used to uh, eat. My food couldn't touch each other. It was like a, a ah. phobia kind of oh, thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Has that changed? Yeah. It definitely changed. (laughs) Now I just put everything together and eat it. But (laughs) yeah, and then I uh, got my first job 
Sal Marino was, is my still my mentor. I was 16, making sandwiches for him in his little Italian restaurant. And, where, where was this? Uh, this is in Los Angeles. Yeah. He has a restaurant called Marino's in LA, which is amazing. And yeah, after that, I pursued pastry school and then went to the Culinary Institute of America in New York. And how long does that take? You know, it took about three years, three and a half years. But um, the thing is, is it's not even about the school. I think it's about the experience you have afterwards. Mm. I think one thing culinary has kind of saved my life because of how bad my neighborhood was. It's either gang related, you know, drug related. And cooking has kind of really focused me and kind of took me out of that environment mm. when it's just all around you, right? Yeah. Uh, especially growing up in the 90s and early 2000s in Los Angeles, you know, being old enough to see the riots and things like that, right? Yeah. So, and then I, my aunt is a chef. She's a very good chef. And she told me if I ever wanted to be one of the big boys, I had to be able to play with the big boys. So my first kitchen was at Restaurant Danielle when I was 20 years old. Didn't know how to cook or do anything. Still wet behind the ears. I got crushed. So what, so that when you start, I mean, what level do you start uh, at? Oh, you start, I, I, I knocked on that back door for like three weeks straight until, and he kept telling me to, to get it, get out of here. It's, it's, the, the safer word, I guess. <laughs> the family-friendly word. family-friendly <laughs> word to say, but it was more of a, <laughs> but I was very persistent. And then he... Uh, what made you want to work there then? I, I wanted I wanted to work there because it had two Michelin stars. Uh, Chef Daniel Balud is one of the best chefs that I look up to. And I just knew that that kitchen would just help me build the foundations that I needed. So you kept knocking on the door for three weeks and he yeah, just kept saying, go three away. Weeks and- every weekend at, at culinary school. And I thought going to culinary school in New York would be like in New York City, but it was like way the hell up north. So it was like a two hour, two, two hour train ride down. But yeah, after that, I ended up working for the company for three and a half years. So he gave you the first Yeah, chance. you know, we would, I would clean probably like, 10 kgs of mushrooms just sitting there, tedious mushrooms, just cleaning all of it for hours and hours. The first half, it was, it taught me, it built a lot of character because it told me it wasn't all about the food and glamorous about what comes on the plate, but about all the hard work and the precision, cleaning, you know, just making stocks alone. If you have to make chicken stock and you have over, 80 kilos, 90 kilos of bones that you have to make stock with, who's going to shovel that out and throw it away and put it in a trash can and then strain the stock, cool it down, get the ice. It's a hard, it's a lot of hard work, you know, and it taught me a lot about, you know, the other side and what it really takes and, you know, really gave me that, you know, they gave me all the the crap jobs. Yeah, they gave me all the jobs to to make me quit, you know, because you know I was I was a little brat as well at 20 years old, still not mature yet. So, but I kept coming back for more, and then after that, I started to mature as I got older as well, yeah. you know. And yeah, fast forward 15 years later, I'm here at Celavi. 
So tell me a little bit more about that journey. So you did the three years and then you went, where did you go before uh, you so came? Ab- so after the three years I did that, I just started wanting to work at Mission Star Restaurant. So I worked at a two Mission Star Restaurant called Micheline. That was right across the street from Lincoln Center. I worked at DB Bistro, which is one of the most high volume restaurants I've worked at. Because I want to learn the bistro side of things. I didn't want to just work on, in fine dining. I think bistro is very important as well. And then uh, went to Melise. Melise was a two Michelin star restaurant in Los Angeles. And then I ended up wanting, at, I always wanted to work at the French Laundry. So that was like one of my biggest things. Like I have to work at the French Laundry. There's so many good chefs that come out of the French Laundry. I sent them like, I would say more than like eight cover letters and resumes until they were just like, stop bothering us and come up for a come up for a trial shift. Oh, so the persistence, like that's been something that's pretty consistent. Yeah, because there's a, there's a, yeah, because there's, there's over hundreds and hundreds of people that want to work in that kitchen because all the great name chefs have come out of there from the U.S. and, and the philosophy that they teach you, the core values that they teach you, you know, the things about mentorship, the things about respecting the ingredients, having the garden across the street, it was, it was quite an experience and the menu changed every day. So it forced me to be, like if I was on fish or whatever station, then I would have to be in charge of what goes on that fish. You'll, they'll tell you like, okay, you have salmon and you have this tomorrow. What do you want to do? And you're like, okay, porcinis, blackberry and black truffle and onion. And then someone else already took onion. So, cause we're all sitting around a table. They're like, onions out. What else you got? Or if he's just angry oh, with wow. you, he's just like, what else you got? And then, you know, and then if you're like in the dog, dog house, you, uh, <laughs> he does, he'll say, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And you're, you're like, damn, I'm losing three hours of prep time because he's just going to mess with me. And I'm just stressed out that I won't be ready for service. I think I smoke like two packs of cigarettes <laughs> every day doing that. But it, it was such a great experience. What is it with the reputation of, of chefs or them being sort of notoriously tough or? I think it's about the discipline and the respect that you need in order to hold a kitchen down. I think that's very important. And mm. the reasons why chefs are so hard on the newer ones is because they don't want to be able to waste their time on somebody that doesn't deserve it. So it's like almost like a hazing, but I'm the same way as well. I do give some guys a hard time, but the people that have been with me for over two years have gone up to do way to make more money in in another restaurant or or do better within the company itself. So so that's great. And then after that, I went to the restaurant at Meadowood, which was a three mission star restaurant maybe 30 minutes north of the French Laundry, which is a whole different philosophy. One of the youngest three mission star chefs, he's all about why do we need a tablecloth? Why do we need white plates? Let's make our own plates. Let's forge for our own vegetables because we have a forest behind us. And, you know, we had our own forger and it was like just this whole different way of, cooking at a to make you feel like you're in, in a certain time and place. Yeah. So like Napa cuisine is kind of what it what it was. So it was nice. It was nice to see two different aspects of it. Yeah. And then what made you move to Dubai then? So 
Um, How did that opportunity so that a uh, very very funny actually um unexpected uh I was at Lowe's hotel it's a which got bought out by four seasons it was in the middle of it but I was actually ordering ordering vegetables at 10 o'clock at night and I still remember this my buddy Joey we worked at Danielle together when I was 20 years old and roommates and he he realized that I was opening restaurants you know, I worked all that at these restaurants too. So he was like, why don't you, I'm the corporate chef of C'est La Vie right now. Why don't you come and open up Dubai? So, um, think about it. It's, it's going to be a good opportunity. And yeah, after I thought about it, I was a little worried because I was like, Middle East, I don't know. I'm a hippie from California. San Francisco is kind of cool, you know. But uh, I'm really happy I did it. It's just, it's very liberal out here. It's very open-minded. And I think I came at the perfect time where Michelin is just started to rate, Pellegrino started to rate, you know, the food has, I've seen in the past three years got so much better and mm. there's so much more finesse in the food. And I feel like a lot more people have more expectations as well when they dine, dine out. Do you think that's because it's more competitive? I mean, I think, I think competition, you know, breeds uh, creativity. And yeah. I think that's why New York is such one of the, I think is the food capital of the world. I've been to a lot of countries and there's nothing like New York, New York food is just so like lively and the food is so good and they're, and they're so creative and yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. But do you think it's because they've got access to maybe more of the produce or, you know, think everything here has to be pretty much, a lot of the stuff has to be flown in. Yeah, you know, that would, I, I, I do miss when I was working at Meadowood and I was on, you know, we call it garmage, but it's, it's basically the cold section. I would go before work at, at like eight in the morning and talk to the gardener and be like, I need radishes of this size. And I'm like, oh my God, look at the, the radish tops are absolutely beautiful. I'll use the radish tops. And what other, what other things do you have? Oh, you have pea flour. You have uh, pea greens here. I'll make a sauce out of that and a vinaigrette out of the radish tops. And then we'll make, we'll do radish peas. And then what else do you have? And these are these baby carrots. And they're like, I want them this size. And it's crazy. It's just to, to dig it out of the earth yourself and be like, can I have 20 of these? Can I have 20 of that? And it's not quite the same here. No, no, definitely not. But it's still good. I think, you know, we have good purveyors that I consider more as partners to one, let me know what's the best in season. I know it has to get flown here from Holland or France, Italy, but we still manage to get good ingredients here. And there's still a lot of great restaurants here that yeah. do amazing things. What has the UAE or Dubai or working with Say Lovey taught you? Because I think that you keep learning things from all the places. What What's the experience here taught you? Here it was, you know, the, I just never worked at a restaurant that was so massive. Like, In terms of like the seat covers, like how many people How come many in? people, yeah. You know, we will do about 250 guests for lunch and then we'll do maybe 400 on a slow night, 600. That's what's a lot. It's a lot. Your business and it, lunch it, is great, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I really thank like you. it. So like if there's three people plating, you know, you, everyone's plating over 200 dishes. 
Like it's a lot. It's all, it's it's it, yeah. It's and very, fast. It's fast. It's a lot. It's tiring. You know. It, but it's definitely, you know, people that have got. That's why people do so well when they leave C'est la vie because it's a very hard and you know, it's very hard to work there. Mm. Well, kind of hard. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of places. There's a yeah. lot of teaching in it. Well, if someone's listening now that maybe they're thinking they might go into that space or maybe recommend it for their their children, what what advice would you give? Because it's you know, it's it's a tough industry to be in. Yeah, you know, I I have a friend now. She has reached out to me because her her fifteen year old son wants to be a cook, and I was like, "Are you sure?" Because uh, <laughs> first of all, not a lot of chefs, very few chefs, make good money. Maybe only the top two percent, and eighty percent of I would say the statistic is like I think eighty, if I'm not wrong will get into the career and change careers later on in in their Mm -hmm. life. So, you know, not many of us out here. But if you're, you know, the the advice that I can only give is, you know, work for the best chefs possible. Don't think about money. You know, I, since I was 20 years old until I was in my 30s, I worked at the best restaurants I could. I made minimum wage, little to nothing. And I just knew money would come later. Yeah. And if you, if you strongly believe in that, it will work out. Mm-mm. But I'm not going to lie. Getting to that point is very, it's a hard struggle. Because when you're 27, 28 and you're like. Still. Still struggling, you know. You still barely make rent. It's, it's a little tough, yeah, you know. But at least that, that's honest though. And I, and I think. I appreciate you sharing that because it is the honest piece. And a lot of people can look at go, you know, wow, you're working in, you know, one of the best restaurants. And it, it, but, but the journey that it took you to get there was long. Yeah. yeah and the, and the lessons that you've learned to, to, to actually get to that point. Um, I have to ask though, what is your favorite dish? Okay. Here, favorite dish to cook and favorite dish to eat. You know, I'm an inner city kid, so I like overcooked spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't served at Say Love Me. <laughs> no, no, you know, I love, I love the, the overcooked spaghetti with craft singles on top of it, melted in the microwave. Oh, wow. Uh, it's all coming out now. That's kind of my thing. I, I loved, I, I grew up off of Spam and rice. I grew up off of all sorts of, you know. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I love a, a good chicken nugget, you know. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, but definitely uh, if it's cooking for somebody else, I just I just think it needs to be something. Well, that's the thing is when I get like bored of a dish, we like change it a lot. We change because our, our kitchen is very small compared to a lot of, Mm-mm. well, I think all kitchens in Dubai that do the amount of volume that we do. So I do treat my kitchen like like it's in New York. Like you have to be very creative with your space. But it's, you know, we we definitely do, I think, very, you know, we're still evolving. And yeah. at least we're getting better every year. We're understanding our mistakes. We're understanding our limitations, which also breeds creativity. So I think that every year we're, we're doing a little bit better than, than the last, yeah. which is good. How often do you change your menu then? I'll change it every season. So every, but I won't change the whole menu. I'll change maybe 12, 12 dishes. 
Okay. And yeah. then you keep your sort of staples that you know that yeah, everyone loves. Yeah, staples. Yeah, yeah. Because I made the mistake of trying to change everything when I'm like, well, people don't want me to change the pasta. They like the pasta. They they like this and they like that. Like, And that's not even the thing I should be worried about. I yeah. should be worried about, you know, the things that people don't order as much, you yeah. know. And and why they're not ordering yeah, this or what is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, you know, Selavi is going to now, we're going to move reconfigure our space to have another two outlets so that we can serve our version of sushi and our version of robata oh. just and which is going to be fun that yeah. way it does it keeps pressure off the kitchen as well okay and at the same time we can serve an interesting menu because you prepare that before no it's just, just because it's just coming from a different kitchen so okay a different side of the restaurant so, you know, people may order four things out of there when everything was ordered inside the main kitchen, right? So, yeah. you know, working on sushis that is kind of out of the norm and maybe like a French take, an European take on what sushi would look like. So we're having a lot of fun with that, testing it out. Yeah. And, and I think if there's anything from the beautiful dinner that we had together where there was a group of us it was amazing and just even hearing your journey on everything that you've talked about the creativity part is so huge for you and how everything has evolved from the challenges in the past to get you to that point that now that's just your dna it's how creative can i be with what i have and what i can do absolutely yeah i think it's you know i and i have my guys to think as well the people that work with me I am very collaborative. I understand that I have a, I have a lot of strengths, but a lot of weaknesses as well. And you know, you have to be mindful of that, and that's how you move forward, right? So, I what's think. your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness, my biggest weakness is that I get bored too easily. I want to change the I want to change dishes like every single day. If I, but that's where you came. You were working in one of the restaurants yeah, that, that you had yeah. to think like that. Yeah. But, you know, I've actually, my my cooking style has actually gotten, has evolved as well too. Like when I was younger, I wanted to show every technique and be fancy and do this. And now when I'm, I'm more mature, or I would like to think so, <laughs> I think it's all about restraint. And it's all about putting my shoes inside the guests and understanding how they would feel. And, you know, I think that's the beauty of what we do, right? I think it's not, and my chef has taught me this, is we're not just feeding people. We're here to create memories. Anybody could feed people. That's a, that's a really nice way. What's your biggest strength then? My biggest strength, I'm a good leader. Okay. I'm a great leader. I, I, I've taken that part core value part at the French Laundry very seriously. You know, I want to have a great legacy, which means, you know, I want to leave something behind that will outlive me. So, you know, I want my cooks, I want to read about my cooks in the next three years on a newspaper somewhere or in a podcast, in a podcast, you know, and I want, I want to be an integral part of that the reasons why, mm. you know, and I think that's, that would, that would make me very happy. You, you know, you told me a story when we were out about your mom, when she came to, uh, Oh, my mom's the hardest <laughs> critic. You and know? she, she invited her, she came to say la vie and you yeah. were really proud and 
Yeah, she was she was very happy. Super judgmental <laughs> about my food, but she's honest, you know. I think this needed a little more salt. I think this needed a little more acid. I think this needed a little more of this. I was like, thanks, mom. You know, appreciate your feedback. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I'm this salt? And you're still telling me, have I got enough salt so in it? so funny. Yeah. She, she's, she's, she's an amazing woman, though. Strongest woman I know, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny when I go visit her. She's like, you got fat. And I'm like, all right, now I have a complex about it. And then she'll make all this food. And she goes, all of a sudden, you don't want to eat my food? You just called me fat. Like. <laughs> <laughs> she means well. She means well. Towards the end of every podcast, I like to ask a few off-the-cuff questions. Okay. So I have a set of cards here. You don't have to answer them all. You can just pick a, a couple of cards and let's see what they say and see where the conversation goes. Okay. Do you want to put that one back? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's... <laughs> What was the question? <laughs> At a party, you will find me having water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure about that. <laughs> Go for it. At a party, you'll be fist bumping with caviar. Fist bumping with caviar, yes. Yeah. What's the question? The most unexpected compliment I've ever received. It's uh, not from your mom. Not from <laughs> Too much so yeah I, I i don't know um you know i compliments are never it's so weird because you know i always have this this uh i don't know what we call it but you always think like you're a fraud you know you're like Imp like imposter imp imp syndrome yeah. you know and i think that's what makes you better that's why i have like a thousand cookbooks that i i go through every day because i always feel like i need to get better but yeah i've my most irrational fear my most irrational fear. I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. I am completely useless out of the kitchen. So like if a woman was dating me and wanted, wanted a guy that really had like good working with their hands, you know, building stuff, you know, I, I can't build an Ikea table, you know? <laughs> so it would be maybe changing a tire. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that either. I can't do that either. I can't do that either. I suppose then as, as a guy, you'd feel more pressure that you'd have to stand on yeah, the side I, of the road. I, to I, get tried, I tried to do it once and I almost killed myself because the, you know, the jack like fell over. It scared me. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> All right. One more and then we'll one call more. it a day. Okay. And then you can tell okay. people where they can find you. Oh, I make, too big of a deal about the small things. You know, it's so interesting. The first person that I asked this card to said the same thing. Really? Yeah. And it, it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the small things, especially in my kitchen. I make a really big deal. I can, I don't have to, I, I can forgive the, the big mistakes, but the small mistakes that are due to carelessness is the things that really tick me off. You know, and I think you have to get the little things right first before you can get the big things right. I love that. Yeah. Like so. the, the small attention to detail has a big impact. Absolutely. How can people find out about you? How can they experience dining and uh, learning a little bit more about you, your Instagram and say lovey? Yeah. I mean, my Instagram, I always post everything that we're, we're doing. I'm, I post stories all the time. I saw the kitchen there, actually. 
Yeah. I saw one of your pictures and it was all in fast time of what you were doing, I think, at New yeah. Year's Eve. And, and actually seeing the space. And, and it's nice to see behind the scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's nice. It's, you know, it took us a long time to to get to where we're at how we operate, but I'm, I'm glad that we are at a good point to just keep moving forward. But yeah, I think too, I wish uh, people would, when we first opened Say La Vie, people really didn't know what type of cu- cuisine mm-hmm. we were. They couldn't really put us in a box. Me being American, me not. I am Korean blood, but I've, I could barely speak it. Never been to Korea. I I don't know Asian food that well. I've only worked in French and new American Michelin star restaurants. Okay. So, you know, I think the food at C'est La Vie is, you know, it's rooted in French technique, but it's with Asian flavors, mm. Asian ingredients. And where is C'est La Vie? C'est La Vie is on the 54th floor at the address Skyview Hotel in downtown. Wonderful. And I've been for lunch, I've been for dinner. Both are exceptional. Thank um, you. So thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your story. And it was so lovely to get to know you a little bit better. I appreciate it. Thank you. Happy to be here. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.